Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. I'm excited today to have a guest that I've wanted to have on for a while now. I actually met him at a homeschool convention about, I don't know, two or three months ago. And we were there with a rowdy crowd that I think it was longer than that, maybe six months ago. And there was a rowdy rowdy crowd that did not want to put their masks on up there in St. Louis. And I bumped into this guy (laughs) named Massey Campos. And he's up there hooping and hollering about American history and about the gospel of Jesus. And he's in pastoral ministry, but also likes to teach people about about American history and America's founding fathers and just a lot of great stuff. And so Massey, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. I'm, I'm excited to talk with you. I'm excited to be here. Uh, you know, you're right. It's been a minute. We, we were supposed to hook up and connect sooner, but uh, you know, actually that whole event, if you, do you remember what happened? There was a, a lady who was coming to the classes who was, who was uh, deaf. Okay. She couldn't hear. So she kept asking me to turn towards her to speak because so she could read my lips. Well, they pulled her upstairs to the general manager's office and said, listen, you have to wear a mask. And she said, are you seriously telling me that a disabled person that reads lips has to wear a mask? So she said, listen, I have my lawyer on speed dial. This is all recorded. Oh, she wow. has her lawyer on speed dial. She said, if you don't show me the law where the mask mandates are, I'm going to call them and we're going to sue this place. And that's when they sent all the security guards home. They sent all the they took off all the signs and everybody was allowed to wear mask free. And it, and it brings it brings something to a point, Jared, that. Uh, by the way, thank you for having having us on. Uh, yeah, hold that thought. Let's go ahead and pray real quick, and then I'll t- I'll pass it oh, back to you. Oh, jeez, yes, do it, do it. <laughs> uh, two pastors, man. We just get to talking, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah, man. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, Father, we just thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for your grace to us. We ask that you would lead this this discussion. Holy Spirit, point us to Jesus. Thank yeah, you so yeah. much. Thank you so much that we have this opportunity through technology to talk about common interests, but ultimately talk about talk about Christ and what he has done for us. And uh, we're thankful for what you're doing in this world. You're unmasking so many things that are happening as we talk about masks, unmasking so many things that are happening within the government that's happening in the world. And there's a lot of things being exposed. And so God, we're asking that you'd give us uh, leaders, that you would give us men who would step up and and speak with a prophetic voice and say, thus saith the Lord and, and speak with clarity and understand how to engage in the public square in a way that would honor you. And so I pray that that you would help uh, Massey and I as we talk about this. And I, I'm really interested to learn from him and, and lead him as we talk. We trust God that you're going to. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, back Amen. to you. So, so she not only got the, uh, the, the mandates removed, she also was able to, Oh, did I lose you? Sorry. No, uh, she good. was also able to, she, she was also able to, uh, to show us up in a sense that like if someone stands, so I found this out, there's a statistic with the ACLU that they don't lose a lot of their court cases. They're just never challenged. So the media promotes the ACLU as, as if they're winning all the time. A bottom line is, is they're never challenged. I think they lose somewhere as to 60 to 75% of their court oh. cases when they're challenged because they're not challenged. And so most people just say, well, it's a mandate. Let's be honest. A lot of pastors did that. Some closed their doors because they cared about their people, but a lot of them just said, Hey, the government said, therefore I just said, you know, I got to obey it. And that's that danger line we cross as pastors is if truly we're not going to preach politics and preach Jesus, then is Jesus influencing our communities and our societies. So you can say you're not going to get involved in politics and that's cool. You can say 
we're not going to preach politics. We're just going to talk about Jesus. But then Jesus took 12, the men and 12 men and turned the world upside down. Then shouldn't the gospel then influence your society? Shouldn't yeah. public Amen. schools be different in your society? So if, if we're going to go there, then go there. Let's, let's use then the power Jesus gave us to go transform the city, you know, in the county. So, I mean, that's really where we're at. And that young woman now is running for school board as a homeschool mom that's in her great. city. That's great. <laughs> as a, a deaf person who, who just believes God. And yeah. that, that, I mean, it's almost kind of a reproof to me. It's like, I'm not doing enough here, Lord. You know, there's yeah. got to be more to do. Yeah, uh, not and, out of works, but just. Yeah, that's good. And she, it sounded like she knew knew her citizen obligations, which were to hold hold the authorities accountable to the actual law. They don't get to act like they themselves are the law. And when you're demanding behaviors that are not written down in the law, uh, then you don't have to do it. Don't comply. And uh, she did have power to her. That's um, that's amazing. So why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, Massey, and sure. who you are. Tell us about your family and what it is that you do. Tell us about uh, tell us about your podcast. Yeah, even your shirt right there. We'll get to plug the socialism steals, kills, and destroys. <laughs> uh, so just let us know. Let us know a little bit about you and what you're what you're up to. Sure. Um, so so twenty years ago, uh, about twenty years ago now, I became a Christian. Um, and I grew up in a Christian home. My dad's a pastor. Um, and I, and I didn't, I don't know those stories. You know, when people say I got saved at eight, then left the Lord and came back. I just was never saved. There was never a real conversion in my heart. You know, I tried, but I never really submitted to God. I never submitted to Christ and never tasted, you know, and seen that the Lord was good. So for me, I didn't get saved till I was 20 and it was at the point of suicide. Um, so God had to bring, you know, I, I'm not saying God brought me law. I'm saying I was in a low place and God met me there. And so it was the law of God. Someone preached the law of God to me, the Ten Commandments, and said, this is sin before God. So once I was converted, I understood that difference between law and grace. Mm -hmm. You know, I understood that the law brings me, it's a schoolmaster to bring me to Jesus. And so I was like, man, that was really powerful. I didn't understand sin. Now I do. You know, so I started walking in this, you know, this kind of freedom of, Lord, I want to understand more of your word, you know, that that I don't have to sin. So it was just this real cool, like, understanding of God the first five, six years of just really studying the Lord. So I was in a ministry where traveling in the public schools uh, for 12 years. I was a lead singer of a, this is going to sound oxymoronic, but a Christian rock band. I was in a Christian metal band. Uh, but so, I mean, I, I did that for years. And around 2004, we heard this phrase, uh, separation of church and state. <clears throat> and it bothered me so much because the Bible told, you know, told me to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Didn't say go into all the world and preach the gospel except public schools. Mm -hmm. And so it just really frustrated me. So, I, I had gotten a constitution course from Institute on the Constitution. I'd been teaching that course uh, ever since. But um, I watched this DVD from David Barton, America's Godly yeah. Heritage. Yeah. Ch changed my my worldview, changed my life. I thought, hey, wait a second here. The founders wrote the First Amendment to protect preachers, to the free exercise of our of, of our faith. And I thought, man, I you know, who's ever said that before? You know, like just revolutionary to me. So uh, ever since then, it was kind of like this mission to say, look, was 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 the nation founded on biblical principles or not? Was the nation founded on genocidal tendencies or not? Was it a racist nation? I just did a ton of homework, a ton of research. Uh, I, I don't mind looking at the other side's point of view because I got to kind of know what they're saying to combat it. But I started doing a lot of homework. And then so in about 2013, um, I, I left that group. And then in 2014, 15, we took this real time to seek the Lord. Like, what do you want me to do? You know, I, I preach and, and, and I, I love welding. Like I did that for years, you know, cool. and, and I'm a worker by nature, but I just felt, man, I'm called to preach. You know, I'm just called to minister. 
And so in 2015, we decided, hey, why don't we, why don't we go to these kids we didn't know? You know, we, we, nobody taught us these things in public school either. We didn't know. So I grew up in, in public school and, uh, you know, I, I'd like to think I had a 3.7 GPA. And when I get around homeschoolers, I'm thinking, what a stupid number. <laughs> you know, I'm not half as smart as my sons who are homeschooled, you know. Um, but then we started self-evident uh, with just on a hope and a prayer. We said, Lord, we, we got to go to public schools. And uh, so far, I think we've done about 50 or so, 50 or 60 public schools. They don't all let us in. I'll get into that later. But, you know, we, we have the same message we do when I go to a patriot group or a church. It's the same because they're foundational truths. You know, the, the, the Bible is a foundational truth. Mm-hmm. Our Constitution, our laws, they come from God. William Blackstone said that uh, in his commentaries on the laws of England, that 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 the revealed law creates law, which is the Bible that creates mm-hmm. our, our natural law. And so uh, now we have, uh, you know, a podcast that's self-evident podcast. And the reason why we started that was um, I, I'd been pastoring for the last five years or so with my dear friend. Uh, and he's like my father figure. Uh, his name's Pastor Todd Mozingo in Stewart, Florida. And so I was passing their young adult, pastoring their young adults and stuff like that. And then he, he asked me to be the assistant. So I assist there. So it means I couldn't travel as much. And I kept telling my wife, I can't shut up though. So, you know, what do I do? So we created a podcast that um, we don't talk about, if you, if you ever watch it, it's not on political issues. It's how scripture applies to those politi- political issues of the day. So we can talk about how bad the left is or how bad the right is or how right each one of them are. If they don't line up with scripture, I don't care how right they are. They're not with scripture, either side. Yeah. And so we really focus on the word. The gospel is so important to us uh, that when we go into a public school, this has happened multiple times where we'll have five, six kids that'll raise a ruckus and the principals give us a room to go talk to them and we're preaching the gospel to these kids who are lesbians who are uh, muslim kids who are and 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 they're they're being witnessed to about something who's who was going to bring that in a public school you know what i mean like who's going to yeah. reach those kids and uh so obviously we've done hundreds of parochial schools private schools uh churches and stuff but the podcast for us was like this way to uh really really get to the masses and now uh, it's odd but the podcast is being heard and i just found this out last week uh spain portugal wow. uh, 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 like near near russia like we're, we're getting views out there and, and it's kind of unique that liberty is spreading throughout the world you know like yeah, that awesome. message it's catching fire because again it's not political yeah. the message of liberty is scriptural it's yeah, not a, it's not a political and so we got to get out of this mindset that if you come into my church People are going to get upset because you're, you know, no, it's, it's, it's timeless. Uh, yeah. You know, so I'm so sorry. I just got interrupted. Um, right. <clears throat> so anyway, that, that's kind of us. And, and, you know, these things here, <laughs> my wife challenged me one day, we had some shirts made about some stuff we were doing. And I said, you know, we could really make some statements here. You know, we could really, and I always think about socialism, communism, Marxism, all the isms and how unscriptural they are almost demonic because they're 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 usurping the power of god mm-hmm. so a socialist or a, 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 a marxist society communist society takes away the the power and authority of god that put he put in our hands to go feed the poor take care of the sick cleanse the lepers heals you know heal the dead raise you know, i'm sorry raise the dead and puts it in the hand of a government right and jesus never gave the authority to government for that he never mm-hmm. ever from one time or god and so you're upending the power of the Lord through a government. And that's demonic, no matter how yeah. you look at it. And so that's why this one was made, <laughs> steals, good. kills, and destroys, because it's demonic. And yeah. and, and and so, um, you know, I've never seen a society not represent the Lord well who has, has succeeded or who has survived. 
Yeah. You know, and that's what we want to get back to is a, a nation good. that honors the Lord first. You yeah. know, that's so good. Well, answer this objection, Matthew, because I'm sure. around pastors quite a bit, talk to pastors quite a bit. And sure. uh, Abraham Kuyper popularized about 120 years ago the idea of the biblical idea of sphere sovereignty and understanding different kinds of governments. You have self government, you have family government, you have church government, and then you have uh, you have civil, civil. you have civil government and each have their delegated realms and regulated realms of authority delegated by God and regulated by God realms of authority. Sometimes, Absolutely. sometimes they, they overlap and, and, and come together, but somehow pastors, it seems like many pastors have felt fallen into this. What I see as a trap to think that God's word is authoritative for the man or woman to have self-control. It's authoritative over the family unit sometimes, uh, until you talk about household codes and then evangelical feminists freak out. Um, and then, then over the church, obviously, but then there's this weird thing over in the world here with civil government and somehow or another, we have, we've drank the Kool-Aid to believe that God's word has no, nothing to say whatsoever to civil magistrates, to anybody that's elected or appointed. How would you answer the objection? Hey man, uh, the founding fathers, they, they wanted pluralism. They wanted this massive barrier. They, they weren't, they were deists, man. They weren't, they weren't evangelical <laughs> Christians. They, they, they weren't uh, good Protestants. They were just hardcore deists, man. Uh, so how would you answer some sure. of those objections? And then how would you say, no, the scriptures are authoritative everywhere, not just in the home, not just in the church, but in the entire world. Yeah. So, so John Adams was asked, I want to say it was uh, about 20, 30 years after the declaration was written. Who were some of the most influential founders of, of America? Who, who were, who, who would you say, you know, President Adams were the most influential? And he named four ministers. One of them was uh, Reverend uh, J- uh, James Chauncey. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Charles Chauncey. One of them was Reverend Dr. Jonathan Mayhew in the 1730s. He wrote a preface to the Romans and he was preaching from it. And, and I was trying to find the quote, but he, I'm, I'm going to sum it up. And the preface said this, he said, it's hoped that that few of you will think this an improper sermon to be preached about because we're talking about politics instead of Christ. In other words, I hope that few of you come back to me and say, I'm, I'm preaching politics. He said, not the case. He said, doesn't scripture say that all scripture is inspired by God and it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction? He said, so then shouldn't we discuss those scriptures on government as, 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 as well as the others? Shouldn't mm-hmm. we talk about why government not submitted to God is, 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 a, is, a, is, is only a, a doom waiting to happen? Uh, one, two, if you look at any scripture pertaining to government, Romans 13, 1 Peter 2, Titus 3, Exodus 18, uh, Isaiah 33, you know, all those scriptures that talk about governments and what God does through government. Let's just go with Romans 13. You know, when he says, let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there's no power but of God. And the powers that be ordained of God. I'm reading King James right now in my, my head. Um, so the powers that be are ordained of God, not the man in position, but the power. So in other words, the authority structure of government is ordained of God. Mm. So if it's a monarchy, if it's whatever, he ordains it, right? In this nation, though, we don't have a Caesar. Yeah. In this nation, people are the Caesars. We are the Caesars. We don't have someone who's a monarch, who's taking money, who does those things like Jesus had with King Herod. And so it's a great misconception to see that uh, Romans 13 and all these other scriptures are taken out of context, especially in America, because the real authority is and, and what government submits to is the constitution which is a limited document towards them it is it there's 
only 20 enumerated powers towards government. They weren't supposed to have three little organizations. They weren't supposed to make executive orders, none of the stuff that's happening today. And why did it happen? Because guys like Charles Finney, who would preach, the former president of Overland College, you know, Charles Finney would say, um, he, he, he would say things like, if, if, if there's a decay of conscience, the pulpit's responsible for it. If the, if, the, if the public press lacks moral discernment, the pulpit's responsible for it. He said, if, if Satan rules in the halls of our legislation, the pulpit is responsible because he said the gospel transmutes to these areas, not just our families, not just our businesses, because why is God only blessing our families and businesses with truth and not government? If you read First Peter, the Bible talks about that uh, we're supposed to submit to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think abortion is the Lord's sake. No. I don't think I don't think murder and and constant wars is the lord's sake i don't think uh you know us uh teaching things like uh uh, uh, gender reassignment surgery in public schools and allowing our kids to be taught uh that white people are evil is 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 the lord's will and the lord's sake so if it's not the lord's sake are we not supposed to revenge all forms of disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled are we not supposed to stand for the truth of christ and most people will say well brother it's it's promised man jesus is coming back Mm-hmm. wars and rumors of wars it's here buddy you know that just we just got to take it in the pants so we just got to wait for jesus to come and my only retort to that is this 240 years ago 250 let's go let's go back that far you don't think there was hurricanes earthquakes wars rumors of wars it was everywhere for the founders and you never heard one preacher of the time saying it's the end times jesus is coming back no it was this that either god is in this whole thing which like George Washington said, I firmly believe he is and he will be on our behalf or we will be destroyed like other nations. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and here they stood. Yeah. That's so good. And I think, you know, that eschatology, eschatology is a big piece in this and how you face what's happening today, how you live your life, how you build a family, how you invest, how you think long-term. And, you know, if you really think, you know, and I don't know where, where you are with your eschatology and, and really it's inconsequential if, if we can, can come together with, with uh, a reality of what biblical stewardship is with what God has given us. But uh, they, they, uh, the founding fathers were largely post-millennial. They, they believed in building the kingdom and the kingdom is being established and that Jesus is reigning and ruling right now. And the enemies of, of Christ are going to be under his feet and are under his feet. And he's going to rule and reign until the last enemy to be defeated is death. And so they, they expected that the kingdom of God is going to move forward. And, you know, when we think, well, we're polishing brass on, brass on a sinking ship, uh, why have kids? Why do anything? You know, let's bunker down. I think we really, we really lose sight of, I mean, one biblical commandments that God has given us and how we should conduct ourselves and live. But also it's easy to be really pessimistic in 2020 and 2021. But what I think about what I see about you and what I see about our family and our church is uh, when you understand what God is doing and, and you understand uh, the moral rot in society that comes from godlessness. That's what ends up happening. It's secularism cannot stand because as, as Doug Wilson has said that secularism and uh, stupidity can only last so long. It doesn't last. It doesn't build. It crumbles. And so when we see everything crumbling around us, I think there's a massive opportunity, Massey, for Christians. If we don't, you know, turn into Eeyore and if we're like, man, we're going to build, we're going to evangelize, we're going to tell people about Jesus, we're going to raise our kids in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord while everything else is crumbling. I think the kingdom of God can build. And that's what I'm expecting and hoping for, you know? No, amen. You, you, you nailed it. Yeah. You nailed it. I think, I think too, I'm, I'm just going to piggyback off what you're saying. Cause I love, I love what you're saying right now. Um, it would be easy for us to say, let's quit and just wait for the return of the Lord. I think it would be easy to do that. But then you have guys like Thomas Paine 
who who said something like this and some of you will say he rejected god at the end of his life cool that's his choice you know he went on to be you know do, do what he wanted to do but he said if there be trouble let it be in my days so that my child may have peace and he mm. said let this ring in every ear to awaken man to his duty now when's the last time i'm just asking when's the last time you heard a, a pastor or a preacher say you know what we're doing this for our children mm. i don't want them to have a nation that I was left with. I don't want them to call me a coward at the end of my days. I don't want them to see me that I didn't do anything. Like what greater example can you give your children than you walking in the light of Jesus, than you walking in his power and in his example. So if, if, if we're looking at this completely objective and just saying, look, maybe, maybe the founders were deists. Let's just go with the premise for a minute. Why is it that they had called for 1400 government issued days of prayer and fasting after 1774? From 1774 to 1816, they had like some 1400 government days wow. of prayer, fasting, and repentance for America. Wow. So that's why you're seeing these theories being promoted like the founders were racist, the founders were land stealing, uh, you know, uh, power hungry, uh, blah, 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 right? They were, they were slave owners and all these things. And I'm thinking to myself, cool, yeah, they had slaves, but did you know that we only immigrated 300,000 slaves in the, during the whole slave trade in these colonies? But yeah, Brazil, places like Brazil had four and a half million, and we're not calling out any other nation except America. Do you see the destruction? And the reason why they're attacking America is because our foundations were highly biblical. Mm -hmm. And if you remove God, guess who becomes God? We're idolatrous. Guess what we make God out to be? I'm not trying to step on toes here. We, we make guys like President Trump out to be a God. Mm -hmm. That he can fix everything. If we elect him, it's over. You know, no, it's the people, right? Mm -hmm. And so, when you look at things like they had those days of prayer, humili uh, humiliation, and fasting, um, I, I just did this uh, this presentation at our church. It was called "God Shed His Grace on Us," and I went through the first Great Awakening in the 1730s and 40s. And you look at what the the Wesley brothers did. You look at George Whitfield. You know, when he was preaching in the colonies, I think it was like 1738 to 1743. It's like five to seven years of this like intense uh, preaching. And he said this. He actually said there's a there's a generality of preachers preaching an unknown, unfelt Christ. And he said the reason why congregations are dead is because dead men preach to them. Mm, wow. That, that was his sermon. Mm. That was his sermon. The reason why congregations are dead is because there's dead men. Pre there's, they're not preaching life in Jesus they're not preaching that, uh, you know, that, that we have the authority that Christ said, greater work shall you do than I did because I go into the Father. And you go to read Hebrews 11 and you read Hebrews 12 and you read about the faith of the, of the past. And you see these guys that subdued nations, stopped the mouths alliance, quenched the fire, darts of the enemy. And then you see things like they were made strong in the war. They were made mighty in their weakness. And right there removes excuses for us not to do anything. That because we are weak, he's strong. And that he never used the majority to win his battle. So, you know... It, it, the bottom line is the reason why we were going to face, uh, you know, wars, rumors of wars and persecution. Is, he said it in scripture because the love of many will wax cold. Mm. And how much we don't love our neighbor if we're not willing to share the gospel. Yeah. Or protect our kids from the evil that's happening today. How much yeah. how much do we hate them by our silence? Yeah. Because yeah. I get it. If you want to preach Jesus, but where's the like, do you have evangelism teams going on preaching the gospel? You know, like there's there's so much that we make excuses for. Oh, I'll give you one more. Moses, when he made the excuse of I can't speak, I'm dumb of speech. You know, I don't have all these things. He said, fine, I'll send your brother Aaron. And I keep reading the scriptures. Never one time did Aaron speak. Wow, that's yeah. that's insightful. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. So, so God still used Moses with his dumb speech. He just removed the excuses. And the only time Aaron did speak, he built a calf. Yeah. 
<laughs> because it wasn't his calling. It wasn't his anointing. Wow. You know, so like, here's Moses saying, I'm dumb. And God said, fine, I'll take that excuse away. He's like, dang it. Okay, I'll do it. And God still used that dumb mouthed man to go to go save and rescue his people. If God did not believe in liberty, why set the children of Israel free yeah. time after time after time and then give them promises through their, uh, what do you call it, through their enslavement? Yeah. You know, to places like Babylon and stuff like that. He loves liberty. Mm-hmm. He loves liberty. And nowhere in scripture where you find that he doesn't. Yeah. Well, nowhere. I mean, that, that's that's really good and helpful because for years I, I, I couldn't differentiate the difference between a person being free in Christ, which is available everywhere all across the globe and whatever right. government system and, and under civil, whatever civil authority you're under, you can have freedom in Christ. And I didn't understand until really the last couple of years what what our American revolution was all about. One, it was for the rule of law and they were in the right. It was Great Britain, uh, England, who was in the wrong, bringing oppression and violating their own law. And as we stood for the rule of law and and pushed back those who were the aggressors and and stood for liberty from the beginning, from this, this American project has been about freedom from tyranny, from control, from government controlling our lives and pulling levers. And hey, that, that the whole idea of Benjamin Franklin and the Gatson flag was, you know, don't tread on me. And I, I got that out of my wall over there. But uh, let, 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 me, let me ask you this, Massey, because I, I've experienced sure. this over the last couple of years. I've, I've had a lot of pushback just from friends and, and family who um, really love playing the middle road game, uh, who, I mean, former pastors yeah. of churches that I've, I've been on that, you know, I don't want to take sides with anything, even when the scriptures, you know, one of the things that I've tried to encourage our people with is if the Bible speaks to it, clearly it's not a political issue. This is a theological issue. And so totally. ab- abortion is not political. Uh, socialism is not first and foremost political. It's biblical. The Bible says thou shall not steal. It, it, it tells us about private property. And so it, that's, that's biblical. So socialism is anti-biblical. It's anti-God. So um, as you talk about the founding fathers, as you push back about what's being taught in public schools, have you got the accusation from people, Massey, you're just a troublemaker. Why don't you just kind of get in line? Why don't you, I know you've got a lot of people that really enjoy what, the, what, you know, what you're putting out, but have you had the opposition that said, Hey man, what, what's going on here? You're missing it. No, the founding fathers were terrible. Uh, why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you trying to help people understand these biblical principles in the public square? What, what are you doing this for, man? You're being really mean. Have you faced that opposition? All the time. Okay. All the time. Why? Um, why do you think that's there? Because of ignorance. The people, the Bible says, I know the scripture is so well known, but I don't think we really slow down and read it. You know, I'm going to go off on a quick tangent and come back to this. You know, it's okay. like the scripture that says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. You know, we're like, oh, that's cool. Love your wives as Christ of the church. But have you really broken that down for what Christ does for the church? He empowers it. He admonishes it. He clothes it. He he, he washes it clean in righteousness. You know, and I'm getting emotional about it, that I'm supposed to do that for my wife. That if I don't do that for my wife, you know. So if you look at scriptures like this, where it's Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed because they lack knowledge. It doesn't say they lack power, money, anything. They lack the knowledge. And so what happens is a lot of people will say, and I get this quite frequently, you know, you're, you're just, you're missing it, dude. I get that a lot. And, 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 I, and I always say this to them, am I missing it? And am I the one being rebellious or is government being rebellious against God? Mm, and I'm just yeah. responding to it Yeah. because we've been so conditioned for years to think government knows best. And yet we'll say we don't watch the media. Well, what happened during COVID? Do we all paid attention to the media? And what's scary is, 
just that year alone showed us the state of the church, mm-hmm. how afraid we really are, how much we really don't know about the God we say we serve. Yeah. Amen. And that's not a blanket statement. That's the truth. Um, there's, there's several churches in our area that closed. Um, this isn't an attaboy. We just told our sheriff, look, you don't have the constitutional right to close our church. We have God given rights to stay open. And he was like, I'm a constitutionalist. It's good. Stay open. So he never came and shut down the church, but there were certain churches that closed big ones too, big churches. And, and they would close because they said they cared about the people. And now they're opening their facilities to have vaccination centers. It's insanity. And here I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, didn't Jesus say to lay hands on the sick and they'll recover? Amen. Doesn't he, like, why would you close a place of hope and healing during a pandemic? Wouldn't you want that open during a pandemic? And so in, 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 in our hearts and in our minds, I get it a lot. I go to a college. Uh, I haven't been to a college in about a year. Uh, about a year and a half, but the, every time I go, there's always these tweets that go out, stop this dude. He's a Christian coming on. A, Christians shouldn't be on college campuses. I expect it from the world. I get it. They're, 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 high, they're in darkness. Mm-hmm. I, I understand completely. I've, I've been written up in the Yahoo and the AP and stuff when I was in another ministry. I get it. That's the world. But when it comes to Christianity, I read the same Bible that everyone else does. And if you're yeah. limited by the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit is real. And he'll illuminate your eyes to the scriptures. And if God has the authority and power and creates all things, why is it that me standing against a rebellious government that is literally spitting in the face of our God, literally telling our children it's okay to kill your babies? Right. Literally. I mean, they're saying this from from that they welcome this, that it's okay that you feel like a boy. Go ahead, get your jet reassignment surgery. Um, and, And so our government now has literally become corrupt, spit in the face of God and me saying no. Don't spit in my God's face. I'm the rebellious one. Yeah, right. Yeah, here, here's no, the weird. Yeah, yeah, I agreed fully. You know, here's the thing, Massey. One of the things that I think that has happened and what's been revealed is a massive. Uh, we, as, as the church, you know, all, all the the great catechisms in um, in the past start yeah. with what is the chief end of man. The chief end of man is to is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And what I think has happened in this uh, the last couple of years is what's been revealed is actually. We have been people-centered, not God-centered. And so we have sacrificed. On, we, have, we, have, we have so wanted to preserve what we think is public witness and cultural capital and this kind of thing of, of trying to preserve uh, feelings from the outsider, like out, non-Christians, be happy with us, be, ha- be happy, be happy, be happy. So what happens is we sacrifice obedience to God on the altar of public witness. So we want people to like us. Uh, and we even convince ourselves through you know, missiological speech that, you know, we've really, really, really got to be able to figure out how we can get the gospel to them. And we got to love your neighbor. And all of a sudden you, you're, you're doing things and calling it loving your neighbor and you're finding yourself disobeying God. And you're like, well, wait a minute, yeah. disobedience to God is never actually loving to your neighbor. And, uh, and, and that's all been exposed. It, it has been exposed. And um, let's, let's go with that. When they say you need to love your neighbor as yourself, what is love? Let's go to first Corinthians. Let's talk about this love that we're talking about. Right. Because first Corinthians comes after the gifts of the spirit. So it comes after and, and just before it, it talks about how to use your giftings in the love of God. So, it, you know, if I don't if, if I have not the truth and love, then I'm like a, a claim, brass, tinkling symbol, all that stuff. But he goes on to list it. It's not boastful. It's not prideful. It's not conceited. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's patient and kind. But then it says something in there that revolutionizes that whole chapter does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Yeah. Love rejoices in the truth. That's good. And that's that, good. That, that, that changes everything because what that does is, so in the scriptures, and, I, and I'll be honest with any anybody listening, 
nowhere in the scriptures do you see it say, you know, go into all the world and tell it like it is. That's the big misnomer is we have a lot of people saying, well, I just told them what it was. I just told them about Jesus. Jesus never had to do that. The Holy Spirit can do the convicting. You mm -hmm. just do the planting. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's a certain process. Can you imagine going into a field and just just chopping down rows instead of doing it the way that, that there's a process? So in other words, there's a road. There's there's a, there's a way to do uh, telling the truth. It's knowing your audience, knowing what they're going to need at the time, listening to the Holy Spirit, delivering the truth, and showing them that you care. One big thing that we have wrong in America, and you're exactly right, dude, we've forgotten the teaching of taking up your cross and denying yourself. Mm -hmm. And every single sermon that's popular right now is all about, you know, God came for you. He did it for you. This is all about you. Yeah. But once you've received him, Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Now, nevertheless, I live, but it's not me anymore. It's Christ in me. Yeah. And so we do these messages of, I, I just saw it yesterday, a friend of mine, and I kind of had to, I'm, I'm, as soon as I get back home, I got to pull him to the side a little bit. You know, gay people, I understand you've been oppressed and, you know, Christians have, you know, cherry picked your sin and we love oh, you gosh. and we accept you. I'll save you a place at the church. Cool, cool. But why aren't you talking about freedom from sin and redemption through Christ? Yeah. We always do this where it's like we accept them all. Let them come in the doors. True, true. I, I want them to come to church. No question. But Jesus came to change them yeah. from the Amen. inside out. You know, he came to give them a new life. So let them say they were born that way. Yeah, you're supposed to be born again now. Yeah. So Amen. that's that. So when you're born of a new nature, it's over for you. Like your, your desires, things change. So so there's no. What I love about that is, then I don't walk in my own power, my own truth, my own knowledge, my own words. I walk in the power, knowledge, and truth of Christ. And so if He was the ultimate sacrifice, shouldn't I kind of emulate that? You know, like so. Uh, yes, we've gone to to. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna step on even toes with this because I, I belong. I'm I'm very I'm I'm definitely a Pentecostal guy. I love okay. the gifts of the Spirit. I'm definitely in prayer. Love healing. But I'm even against the. And I'm saying this because I've only witnessed it so many times with our young adults. These conferences they go to and it gets all hyped up and hype, 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 hype. And people go there and get an experience and a touch from God. They come back two months later and they're like, "Man, where's God?" See, right. because you don't understand the scriptures like Psalm 1 where he says you're as a tree planted by the rivers of water. So even when it doesn't rain, you still have water by the river and okay. your leaves will never wither. So you could say you're in a dry season, but it doesn't matter because I'm planted by the river. So it doesn't matter how dry it is. It doesn't matter where I'm at. Jesus is my identity. My identity mm -hmm. is Christ. And I think if we don't keep preaching those things, they look for that next experience. And we're losing our kids because of that. Yeah. You know, That's so there's that other side of religion. Mm -hmm. We preach too much on the, the scriptures and you got to dress a certain way you got to do this and then there's this other side of hype and sensationalism mm -hmm. and we got to bring it back to the middle that god is both he's yeah. word and spirit yeah so that's helpful that's helpful stuff yeah uh man there's been so much that we could keep keep talking about doing a spinoff or so we could we could probably do like five or six spinoff shows this has been so helpful uh but what i want to do is is i ask everybody at just the last question before we in the show, I ask people why they love Jesus. And I set you up. I kind of put it on a tee for you. And I want you to, I want you to praise God for his grace. And so the way I do that is ask you, why do you love Jesus? And so Massey Campos, brother, tell me why you love Jesus so much. I'll explain it two ways. One, because I know what it's like to not have him. And, um, uh, so I, uh, nobody could have pulled me out of my pit the way he did. Hmm. Nobody. 
I was, I was so dark and I didn't have hope. And, and I didn't realize that the place of hope and loneliness and where I was in my life before I accepted Christ was because of what I did. I didn't realize I put him on the cross. I didn't realize it was my sin that crucified him, that I was nailing the, the nails in his hands and feet, that I'm the one who pierced him on his side, that I was the one that put the crown of thorns. I didn't see any of that stuff. I just mm-hmm. lived for me. And so when I'm in this dark place, he still offered me redemption, you know? Um, awesome. He, he still reached his hand out. He said, well, you're yet still sinners. I died for you. And um, how do you not, how do you not rejoice in that? You know, how do you not like say, First, I feel so unworthy for that. And it finally flipped in my heart. Romans 8 makes sense to me. That there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus mm-hmm. who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And so, like, why do I love him? For what he did. I, I, there's, I can't even do, like, I try, I think, in a sense, to try to be like Jesus. Uh-huh. But outside of the spirit, I can't be, <laughs> you know. But I think the second thing is, is... um. I, when, when I left that one ministry, I was hurt by it. There was a lot of, a lot of people talk about church hurt. This was a real thing. It was a real thing. I don't blame anybody. I was just, it was just a bad place to be. It was in a bad place in life. Mm-hmm. So for like six months, I was just like, Lord, screw this, man. I was just done. You know, I was done. Uh, you know, I'll just go to church if I want to, whatever. And so for six months, I'm struggling with the Holy Spirit. I can feel the conviction all the time. And I, I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be blunt. Is that okay? I'm gonna just yeah, be very honest. I was working. I was working as a welder at the time, and I would have my welding helmet down, just crying and cursing at God just for mm-hmm. what happened because there was just a big mess that had happened. I'm not blaming anybody. It was just where I was. But then all of a sudden, I'd pick up my helmet and we'd go to lunch, and then all of a sudden, they'd ask me about Jesus because they knew I was a pastor, like preacher. So I'd be preaching about Christ at lunch, you know. So then I'd go back and just be in this this hole. And for that six months, I think I regret for, I regret so much because I, I didn't spend it seeking him. I was more mad at him, but that six months was so uh, dark for me. And then when one day I just woke up and I'm like, what am I doing, man? I'm talking to the God of heaven here. Can't he redeem? And it just changed. Like everything changed. He, he went God. from being a God, uh, being a God to me, to being a father to me mm-hmm. at that moment. Man, and crazy. I understood his love even more. So it was like these processes that I think I was going through that at first he changed my heart to just lay down my life and surrender to him and serve him. So he was my God for about 12 years, but then he became my father about eight years ago. Mm, man, that's, that's and awesome. it was a cool, cool place to be and to show my kids a love I never had and understood, you know, to speak and speak life into my boys and speak, you know, bless them, you know, like the way Abraham did to his son. It's the way that, you know, Isaac did to his sons to bless them the way I didn't have is something beautiful because like that's the father's heart to his kids. So mm-hmm. it's like, what is he doing for me? He's, he sings over me. He blesses me. He, he creates in me an identity through Jesus sends the Holy spirit for me. I mean, how can't you love this God who's protected you? Yeah. Who's provided for you. And, you know, but ultimately it's that we, you know, one day, Jared, we're all going to sit with the saints, you know? And uh, I think it's going to be pretty cool. You know, mm-hmm. one day we're going to be with the saints of God. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. I'll probably hit the floor. I'm sure, you know, but just, just to see what God did through one person. And, and I've just admired at what God can do still, even mm-hmm. though we don't really see it. Right. We see a lot of uh, doctrine, but we don't see a lot of show in the Holy spirit, like to show it, to demonstrate it. And I think we'll get that back again. I think God's not done with us yet. 
And, uh, you know, if William Wilberforce can defeat slavery in 44 years, what could we do? Yeah, that's good. That's good. So I, I just, I just love God. It's awesome. Man. Done, you know? It's awesome. Well, guys, I'll put uh, the links to the self-evident podcast and anything else, man, like any other place we can find you, anything that maybe you've written or, or your presentations or anything like that. If people can <laughs> yes. find you. Stuff. Sure. Um, if you go to um, the self-evident truth.teachable.com, we have a four-week study on government versus God. In other words, what's the difference between government and God in these four specific areas? So I do four different classes. Um, I'm coming up with a new thing for churches called Church Liberated, okay. which I'll go through Romans 13 and all that stuff. That's coming out hopefully by December. Okay. Um, so that's new. Um, and I'm, I'm not a big book guy, so I probably won't ever write one. But um, the curriculums are just me talking, and then we kind of break them down into like study type. Uh, and then my buddy Mike just hopped on, and he's doing a whole thing on the founders in slavery, the founders in land grabbing. And you'll be shocked. I mean, it just said how, you know, what nation doesn't do anything through conquest? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We don't get mad right. at Napoleon. We say, right. what a great warrior, but mm-hmm. Americans are land grabbers. You know what yeah, I mean? So seriously. like he's just going through all these things. Uh, so we'll, we'll have that up very soon, but that's another uh, part to, to what we do. And um, if anybody's a pastor out there, listen, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. I'm a Christian and a constitutionalist, and I use scripture to justify everything and, and to not condemn necessarily, but to stand against what's going on in the world. That's what we do. Amen. So it's good. Well, guys, I've been talking to Massey Campos, and it's been a lot of fun, man. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Dude, thank you for having us. And you're going to be on our podcast in a couple weeks, okay? That'd be great. That'd be great. We'd Let's love to. Let's do it, buddy. Okay.